Well, let me me be honest up front here this morning that Mother's Day is one of those difficult hallmark holidays that puts us pastors kind of in a bind. Because it's not a religious holiday, so, so there's not really a reason to fashion a service and a sermon around mothers. And yet, in the past, I've chosen not to do that, and I've gotten in trouble from some mothers who who uh, really wanted that. And you know, it's a challenge because you, know, you read through this book, and, and there's very few passages that say, let me just talk to mothers, and let me just tell you what a good mother should be. They, they just aren't aren't here. My guess is the most popular passage this morning is going to be Proverbs 31 that talks about that, that virtuous woman, that, that virtuous wife, and you're going to be challenged to, to be that kind of mother. Well, the reality is that chapter, if you read the book of Proverbs, isn't even about a real woman. It's about wisdom personified. So, so even that chapter doesn't really work on Mother's Day. Um, so I'll do my best here this morning to do it appropriately. And what I, I think... You know, one of you sent me an email this, this past week about how far Mother's Day has strayed from its original intent. Right? It was never designed or intended to be this, this day where, where we will spend in, in the United States $20 billion on Mother's Day buying cards and flowers and jewelry. That's never the intention. Right? It was, Mother's Day was started by a woman named Anna Jarvis the year after her mother died in 1905. And she simply, reflecting on the loss of her mother, she simply wanted to encourage people to spend more time with their mother. And so she encouraged them on this Sunday to go to church with their mothers. And that was the extent of it. Spend meaningful time building that relationship with your mother. It wasn't about money. It was about building a relationship. And so maybe the best gift you can give to your mother today is to work on that relationship. It's not the card. It's not the flowers. It's not the jewelry. Whatever. It's about the relationship. And so this morning, we're going to look together at what God says about building a healthy relationship between parents, mothers and fathers, and children as well. So take out your Bibles. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Page 1,136 in the Bibles you have in front of you. Ephesians chapter 6. Here in this New Testament book, the Apostle Paul is really reflecting in, in a New Testament voice on the Old Testament commandment from Exodus 20 to honor your father and mother. And he's talking about the full family relationship. Listen to what he has to say. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. It says, Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, Ephesians 6.1 is, is every parent's favorite verse, right? You can quote it to your children often. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. You can also go Colossians 3, verse 20, if you wish, which says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Okay, I can see the elbows swinging already as you're nudging your kids. See? See? Well, before you elbow them too hard, kids, you can get your gentle elbows ready too, because you have to read verse 4 as well. Verse 4, which says fathers, and in our culture, be fathers and mothers. 
Don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3 has a response verse as well. It says, fathers and mothers included as well, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Okay, so the elbows go both ways here in this relationship. God has a word for both children and parents. And this commandment to honor your father and mother is not only for the young either. This commandment is for all of us. From the youngest to the oldest of us here, each one of us has a father. Each one of us has a mother. They may not be here on earth anymore, but the command to honor them still goes on. The command to honor your parents does not end when you graduate or when you get married or when you move out of the house. God gives a word, first of all, to children. That includes children who are, who are 12 or 22 or 42 or 82. And the word that God gives to us as children is the word honor. Children, honor your parents. And I love the, the Hebrew translation of this word honor that's used back in Exodus. Literally, the word honor means to be heavy, as in lots of weight right here. Because in that culture, the only people who were who could be overweight were the people who were very affluent, and the people who were affluent were in positions of honor and respect. So, so okay, kids, don't don't talk about your parents' weight, but that's really what it's saying. Okay, children, your parents have a position of honor and respect. So honor them. Just how we do that honoring encompasses a whole variety of meanings in our lives. To you younger children out here this morning, the word that God gives you to honor them is the word obey. Obey your parents. Right? It's that dreaded O word. Obedience. Obey. Ephesians 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents. Right? And to, in case you've forgotten, to obey is to willfully, pleasantly, and immediately Follow their direction. Follow their guidance. I guess guess most of us here this morning, at one time or another when we were growing up, heard the phrase, as long as you're under my roof, you'll be doing what I say. Right? And that's the trump card that parents can pull out because there's no argument for that one for the kid. They just have to give up and throw their hands up, right? And say, you win. You win. Because in in a way, okay, maybe that phrase isn't always appropriate, but in a way, that's the way God designed it to work for you younger children. He gave you parents to provide for you what you need, to give you guidance in your life when you need that kind of guidance and direction, even if you don't like it. As long as 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 your frontal lobe is still being developed, that that decision-making piece, God gives you parents to help you make wise decisions when you're not able to make wise decisions on your own. And God says, obey them. Children obeying their parents seems like a pretty basic truth. But it seems like a truth that's steadily being diminished in our society today. Parents aren't always the ones in charge of the family anymore, are they? The pendulum seems to have swung. It used to be, you know, children are to be seen and not heard. It really devalued children. Now, in many ways, it swung to the other extreme where children are now the center of our lives and the center of our worlds. That seems to devalue parents, right? 
Parents nowadays, are their, their lives are often uh, structured primarily around their kids. The kids are the center of the family, center of the world. And so their time is dedicated to getting their kids from, from one practice and one game to another. And their, their money is spent buying their children the latest and greatest because they just have to have everything that their friends have. And, and their efforts are dedicated to being their kid's coach and being their kid's cheerleader and being their kid's best friend. In the process, they forget to be parents. It seems like parents are learning obedience instead of kids oftentimes. Too many of us as parents have abdicated our God-given position of authority and have chosen to be pawns instead of parents. So my challenge, parents, accept your calling to raise your children in the Lord. Make right decisions for them, godly decisions for them. Right? They may not be the popular decisions that are going to win you parent of the year as voted on by your kids. But lead your family in the ways of God. And children, be ready to obey your parents. Kids, let me, let me burst your bubble right here. Okay, the world does not revolve around you. Okay, your family even shouldn't revolve all around you. That's not the way God designed it to be. Your family revolves around Jesus. Your, your, your family and you should be about the business of God, not the business of you. And so look to your parents. Let them lead you to find out what it means to be a godly young man, a godly young woman. And that obedience, as you grow older, will turn to, to respect Right, to honor your parents is also to respect them and to submit to your authority, their authority. And this applies especially to you older children who are still living at home. Right, I've burst one bubble already. Let me burst another one. As you grow up, you will begin to realize that your parents are not perfect. Okay, I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. Your parents are not perfect. We all find that out. And when you see your, those faults in your parents, conflicts begin to arise but when God commands you to honor your mother and your father, he's commanding you to respect them in spite of their weaknesses, in spite of their flaws and failures. Respect them even maybe when you don't agree with them. Respect this authority structure that God has set up. Really, Romans chapter three, or chapter 13 applies here. We apply it often to government outside of us, but it applies to the family system as well. It says, it says everyone must submit himself to the governing authority. And in a family, the parents are the governing authority. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against that authority is rebelling against God. And what God has instituted. Okay, sometimes it's hard to respect the person. But at least respect the position. If, if you ever have the opportunity to go before a judge. You'll probably refer to that judge as your honor. Right? It's the title of honor that you give. You, don't, you probably don't know that judge at all. You don't know if that's an honorable person or not. But because of the position... You are going to give that individual the honor. In the same way God is calling us to respect the position of authority that our parents hold. So kids here, you may not like everything your parents ask you to do. You may not like the decisions they make. You may think that your parents are out of touch, outdated, 
out to lunch, or out to make your life miserable. I felt all those things growing up, right? But God's message to you is to respect their God-given authority. Respect them. Learning to, to respect authority placed over you begins at home with your parents. And it will affect every other... How you learn that lesson will reflect every other relationship in your future and in your life. It will affect your relationship with your future spouse. It will reflect your, your relationship with your boss and your career. So start learning now. Honor your parents. Show them respect. Okay, and that honor doesn't stop once you move out of the house. Right? This command to honor your mother and your father doesn't stop applying once, you, once you've gone to college or gotten married or, or become a parent yourself. God's call to honor our parents demands that as we grow older, we continue to hold them in high esteem. Right? Esteem is something that you place high value on. And that's what God calls us to do with our parents. When you head out on your own, don't just leave your parents behind, but value that relationship. Hold them in high esteem. Your parents may have been excellent parents. They may have been mediocre parents. Maybe they were even poor parents. Regardless of how they were, they gave you something that nobody else ever could or did. They gave you life itself. God used them to bring you into this world. And you owe them Gratitude for at least that. So why Proverbs 23, verse 22 says this. It says, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Esteeming your parents. Be in relationship with them. When you're out on your own, you don't need to follow their advice anymore. Well, you don't have to despise it. You can disagree without being disagreeable. But too often, too often we, we leave parents behind. And, and if God says that honoring your parents means holding them in high esteem, valuing them, then that means we're going we're gonna to have certain actions that follow because anything that we hold high value on, we take good care of, don't we? So, so every once in a while you have the opportunity to buy a new car. You highly value that new car that you got. So what do you do? You wash it all the time and you park way far away from everybody else. You, you value it and you treat it well. If you move into a new house, you highly value that house and you're going to keep it up and you're going to take good care of it. If you highly value your parents, then that means you're going to take good care of them and that relationship. It may, may mean you're going to care for them when they're old. It may mean that more than just on Mother's Day, you're going to give them a call. You're going to connect with them. You're going to talk with them. Valuing and caring for our parents is a vital part of our spiritual life. You don't believe that? Listen to this. First Timothy. Children and grandchildren should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. If anyone does not provide for his relative, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Whoa. That's pretty significant. That's pretty high value on these relationships. For many of us here this morning, maybe the first step in honoring our older parents needs to be forgiveness. We've all learned firsthand that there are no perfect parents. 
And honoring your parents does not mean pretending that they were perfect. Honoring your parents does not mean ignoring all their mistakes and pretending like they never happened. No, honoring your parents means laying aside the bitterness and blame and offering forgiveness and asking for forgiveness. It might be one of the most difficult conversations you'll ever initiate. And it might also be one of the most healing conversations that you ever have. You know, as, as many of you have found out, or some of you are finding out right now, parenting is hard. It is difficult, time-demanding, energy-draining. It takes an extreme amount of energy just to corral your kids and keep them alive, let alone teach them anything about life. I see some smiles and nods. Yeah, you're in the middle of it right now, aren't you? Absolutely. It takes a lot. They... Read a, write a study. It said that if you have a child right now, I hate to tell you this, Dan and Jen, it's going to cost you over a quarter of a million dollars to raise your children. You have four, right? That's a million-dollar family right there. Over a quarter of a million dollars to raise a child. And someone once told me that, that a father is someone who now carries pictures where he used to carry money. Right? Exactly. Parents, there's a financial sacrifice, there's a sacrifice of time, there's a sacrifice of sleep. Many parents sacrifice their own dreams and their own plans for their children. Kids, honor that sacrifice. Children from young and old, honor your parents. Okay? God has a word for us parents, though, as well. The word that he gives to us parents is be honorable towards your children. If you want your kids to honor you, then be honorable parents. Ephesians 4, verse 6, fathers and mothers included there. Don't, exa- don't, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Okay, so don't make kids the center of your universe. Don't make that mistake. But don't ignore them. Don't treat them poorly either. Right? And in Paul's day, when he wrote this, what he says here in this verse is a radical, radical message. Okay, remember, he's writing to a world in which the father had, the patriarch of the family had absolute power over his children. He's writing to a society that regularly discarded female babies, drowned sick and deformed babies. He's writing to a society where children were viewed as property to be held, to be used, to be disposed of according to a father's wishes. And to that world, here he is calling for mutual respect between parents and children. He's saying to these parents, respect your children. He's saying to us, respect your children. Love them. Be attentive to their needs. Recognize them as important and valuable parts of your family. And give them the love and the attention that they deserve from you. That's the pattern of a Christian home, Paul says. A Christian home has parents and children that respect each other out of their love and commitment to Jesus Christ. Parents, if your children are to obey you and to respect you as the authority that God has put over them, then love them as Christ loves them. And what did he do for them? He died for them. He gave everything for them. Make choices for them that will lead them towards Christ. And when Paul says at the end of verse 4 that your efforts as parents must not tear down your children, but the word he uses is bring them up. Must bring them up. 
And that word, to bring them up, carries two different meanings. First of all, it's a call to us parents to honor our commitment to simply provide for our children. Bring them up. Provide for them all those physical needs that they need that we talked about earlier. That sacrifice of time, that sacrifice of resources so your child has what your child needs to grow up well. So parents make that sacrifice willingly, eagerly. Honor that commitment to to bring up and provide for your children. But secondly, he's saying we as parents must also honor the commitment that we make to guide our children through life. Hey, parents, you have the awesome opportunity and responsibility to shape your children as they grow into adulthood. God has chosen you to be the number one influence on their lives. And long after, realize that long after they grow up, long after they move out of the house, when they become adults, no matter what age, they are still going to learn and know the lessons that you taught them. Your voices are still going to be running in their head. Your message is still going to be there for them. It's still going to shape their lives. So Paul calls us as parents to guide our children, to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, he says. By training, he means, he means lead them with loving discipline. And discipline really means discipling. Lead them with discipling. Be consistent about the things of God in their lives. Choose holiness. Choose goodness. Choose grace. Choose forgiveness as standards for your children to live by. And don't bend those. Don't bend those standards that God gives. Guide them in loving discipleship. Train your children to live by these things in every way. So by training and then by instruction, that means give them correction when they need correction. So you raise those standards up and then you correct them when they don't meet that you gently do that. You lovingly do that when they stray away from that path. There's so many of us as adults today are still dealing with stuff in our lives that should have been dealt with when we were kids. Our parents should have directed us differently. They should have held us to that standard and life would be so much different than it is today. So let me challenge you parents today. Dare to correct your children. Dare to demand godly lifestyles and godly values from your kids. All done in love. Correct them, yes, sometimes with reproof and rebuke. But correct them with advice and with encouragement as well. As Christian parents, our number one goal for our children must be that they come to know and love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. The number one goal not is that they become star soccer players in high school. The number one goal is not that they become valedictorian of their class. The number one goal is not even that they become the best socially accepted person. The goal for our children is that they are about God's business. That when God knocks on the door of their hearts, they're ready to say, yes, yes, I love him, and I'm ready to serve him. You've been given a position of authority by God. Use it to train and instruct your children in the way of the Lord. So parents, if you want to be honored, be honorable. And children, in every, every stage of your life, figure out how to honor your parents. Now, I recognize that for some of you this morning, this, this message is an affirmation for what you're already experiencing. 
Right? You have parents who have been honorable to you, who love you and have, have raised you well. You have children who, who obey you most of the time and, and who respect you. Praise God for that. Give thanks. I also recognize that for some of you here this morning, this message is a very painful one. Some of you have parents who have hurt you with their presence. You've experienced abuse, maybe physically, emotionally. Sexually, spiritually. Some of you have felt the effect of alcohol and drugs through your parents. Some of you missed out on the love that parents are supposed to give to children, and that hurts deeply. Others of you have had parents who have hurt you with their absence. They weren't there when you needed them. They weren't there for your graduation and for your wedding. They aren't there for their grandchildren. Maybe they still aren't there for you. And you're wondering, what in the world does God expect me to do? How in the world do I honor a parent who is dishonorable to me? Okay, know first of all that God's not asking you to pretend like that pain never happened. He's not asking you to excuse away those actions and just pretend like it never happened. That's impossible to do. It's not healthy. But he has given us tools the tools of of repentance, the tools of forgiveness to help us try and find healing from those wounds that are still open, those wounds that are still bleeding and hurting. And until we start to journey down that path, the pain and the bitterness will continue to affect our relationship, not only with our parents, but, but with our spouses and our children and our friends as well. It affects every part of life. So some of us this morning are going to need, are going to need to go and, After prayer, go talk to our parents. We're going to have to be honest with them and find some kind of resolution, some kind of reconciliation. Some of us are going to have to enlist the help of a good Christian counselor before we can do that. And please do. Please do if you need. And some of you parents here, maybe God's saying to you that you need to go talk to your children yet. You know that you haven't been honorable. You know that you need to ask them for forgiveness. You need to lay your guilt at the feet of God, and then maybe you need to lay it at the feet of your children. It's never too late to start being the honorable parent that God called you to be. You know, Jesus Jesus has made a way out of our pain so that our pain won't have the last word. That's what the cross was all about, isn't it? Jesus died on that cross so that all wrongs could be made right. Okay, We say that often, but... Are we living that? Do we truly believe that the power of the cross can make wrongs right? Jesus died on that cross so that dishonor can be replaced with honor. And Jesus died on the cross so that pain can be turned maybe even to joy. Jesus died on that cross so that broken relationships, relationships broken by sin, can be made whole again. Do we believe that? Are those just empty words? God's power can rebuild broken relationships. It can. God's power can restore honor that's been lost. God's power can can direct you and help you to make the call, to write the note, to speak with the counselor, to speak words that will bring healing. It's not too late to start. And with God, it's never too late 
to learn how to rightfully honor your father and your mother. Let's pray for his guidance on that journey. Father God, you know that relationships like these, parent, child, father, mother, can be the source of our greatest joy and can be the source of our greatest pain and sorrow as well. They go hand in hand. And so, Father, for those who are sitting here this morning with hearts overwhelmed with gratitude and joy and thanksgiving, we do give thanks to you. We thank you for those relationships that aren't perfect, they never are, but those relationships that are good. And for the moments of of wholeness and love that we get to experience as parents and children. And Father, for those who today are sitting here and their hearts are breaking, because that relationship is far from what they desire it to be, far from what they know you designed it to be, I pray, first of all, that you give them your assurance and your comfort that you are the spiritual parent who loves them all times, all places, and that your love will never let them go. And Father, I pray that you give them good direction and what they might be able to do to let restoration begin, to let the, your power to overcome sin and brokenness take hold in their hearts and in their lives. Father, you have great designs for us, your children. You want good things for us. Help us to see what those good things might be. And to dare to follow your leading and direction towards them. So, Father, I pray for every parent here. That you give them great wisdom. You'd help them decide today that they're going to lead their children in the way of the Lord. I pray for every child that they would seek to follow that path. And that you would be honored. You would be glorified. That your kingdom would come. That your will would be done. In Jesus' precious name.